Welcome to the Bringing Rural Back podcast, where we help you live a more prepared and sustainable life today so that you can have a better tomorrow no matter what. This is your host, Greg Carter, and this is episode number 48. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about it's a throwaway world and what we can do about it. But before we do that, let's get some chores done, shall we? I'd like to remind everybody about the Listener Appreciation Contest. Just go to the blog. There'll be a link there where it says Listener Appreciation Contest. You click that link. You put in your email address, your name, and you check a little box that says that you'll share the show in some way. That's all there is to it. Once we get to 1,000 subscribers on our feed burner stats, we'll be giving away a $50 Amazon gift card. That way you can buy whatever you want or use it towards, you know, whatever. I'd also like to remind everybody that you can send me questions or suggestions for shows. You can send those questions or suggestions to theruraleconomist at gmail.com. And look for it in an uh, upcoming episode. Okay? So, with that, let's talk about it's a disposable world and what we can do about it. Um, when I was doing my research to... Uh, to produce this show, I just did a little search on what does the average American produce in garbage a day. And according to the EPA, the average American produces 4.4 pounds of garbage a day. Holy cow, 4.4 pounds? That's just crazy, you know. And that comes out to around 1,600 pounds a year. Now, I didn't check their math. I just I kind of took their word for it. Um, but when you take that in its sum totality, that, you know, 1,600 pounds per year per U.S. citizen, right now our house has three in it. So that's, what, uh, 4,800 pounds. Wow. That's a heck of a lot of garbage. And, you know, a lot of that goes into, well, all of it, if it's as garbage, goes into the landfill. And I realized that, you know, as being a steward of the resources that we have, we should be responsible for reducing that as much as possible. And if, if possible, in the process, saving money or actually earning some money that wouldn't be there otherwise. So... I came up with 10 things that help us reduce the amount of garbage that we put out and help do away with the disposable world. First thing on the list is repair. Now, when I was a kid growing up, every community of any size had a TV and radio repair shop. I remember going and hanging out and people would come and they would, you know, they would bring in their radio. Most of the time it was a console. Uh radio or their television or what have you, or they would do, you know, in-home repairs whenever possible. And back then, um, all of the electronics pretty much were tube types. So, you know, a lot of the repairs were four or five dollars. Some of them were 25, 75 dollars. And people would get their items repaired and take them home. That way they didn't have to buy another one. Well, that's no longer the case anymore. Um, and I, we've been guilty of it ourselves, you know, um, right now I'm actually recording this at home and I'm recording it onto a laptop 
and I cannot tell you the number of laptops we've gone through in the past several years. I've still got them all, but you know, they don't work or they've been outdated or they've gotten so slow or they're full or, or whatever. But it amazes me if you, especially if you travel through some of the more affluent communities, the stuff that you can see on the side of the road come garbage day. Now there's with our garbage, um, we're in the process of tearing down an old building and I'm going to save as much of the lumber as I can and then buy, build another building in a different configuration. And, uh, you know, when garbage day comes, if the can's not full, then I go into that old building and I pull as much stuff as I can. That way it's full because we have to pay for our garbage pickup. But I, it amazes me that there are people that actually do this with cars. Now, cars, you don't generally just throw them away. But I cannot tell you the number of times I've spoken to younger folks. Oh, my car's having some trouble. I need to trade it off. Really? Wow. Okay. Sure. So what you, the problem that you're having, you could have fixed for $500, but instead you're going to trade it off and you're going to wind up deeper in debt. Now I do have a rule of thumb. If the repair cost is less than 50% of the replacement cost of the item, I'm always going to repair it. After that, eh, it depends on what the item is. But just by applying that rule of thumb, you may find that you repair a heck of a lot more items than you throw away. Number two, buy used. Now, I actually like buying used. And, you know, uh, there are some folks out there that say that buying used actually hurts the economy. Kind of. Uh, I, can, I can see their point. I don't necessarily agree with it, um, but I, I can see their point because if everybody started buying used, then you know there would be less manufacturing jobs. Is is the theory? But here's the thing: not everybody's going to buy used, okay? And by buying used, especially if you do like uh, yard sales, estate sales, things of that nature, then you actually save money right off the bat. Not only by the fact that the item is less expensive, but in a lot of areas, you don't have to pay sales tax on things that are bought at yard sales and garage sales. Now, I also like thrift store shopping. Now, in my size, I very rarely ever find any clothing that I really want to wear at the thrift store. But now, household items, things like that, it's just it just makes sense. When I find stuff, now I do keep in mind the, the cost of a new item, but normally it's anywhere from a third or down the cost of a new item by buying it at the thrift store. Okay. The final thing that I want to talk about is actually pawn shops. Now pawn shops are a ha the halls of broken dreams, or tends to be. Um, but if you're buying tools, sporting goods, camping gear, music equipment, things like that, it's it's really tough to kind of be a pawn shop. Um, one of the local pawn shops, not too awfully far from here, it's, well, it's a good drive, but um, when we're in town, they have this big bin of hand tools, and you can get hand tools 
for anywhere from a quarter to 50 cents a piece. When you look at it at the store, well, that same tool can be eight or nine dollars. That's a heck of a savings. Now, there is another pawn shop that's uh, not as far away, but when it comes to power tools, they're really proud of their power tools. I've actually seen power tools in a pawn shop that were more expensive than they were new, so you do have to shop smart, okay? But, you know, once again, uh, estate sales, yard sales, garage sales, uh, pawn shops, thrift stores, all of these are valid options because, let's just be honest, if I have seen stuff in the thrift store and actually at uh, yard sales that still had the tags on it when it comes to clothes. When it comes to tools, you have to be a little more selective, but if you're talking about a hand tool, especially like a Craftsman or a Cobalt or some of those, Snap-on, um, they have a lifetime guarantee anyway. So, if you and it sounds like you're being dishonest, but you're really not. If you buy, If you can buy a Craftsman for a quarter, even if it's broke, Take it to Sears, get you another one for free. Okay? It's just, it's really worth it. Number three, let's look at packaging. It, it amazes me the amount of packaging that is used for everyday items. Um, the other day I was at one of the big box retail stores, and uh, I wasn't going to buy one, but I swung by and was looking at, at pocket knives. And the sheer amount of packaging, and I know that they do it to try to prevent theft, but the sheer amount of packaging involved with a pocket knife was just unreal. Well, let's do something a little more everyday, a little more mundane. Cereal. Breakfast cereal. Now, we don't buy breakfast cereal a lot. Matter of fact, normally the only time we buy it is when we have folks coming over that are picky eaters that will eat that stuff. But whenever we do, we tend to buy the bagged cereal. Simply because, you know, if you buy the box cereal, you got the box and you still have the bag. And the bag cereal tends to be a little less expensive. So it helps our bottom line, helps reduce waste. You know, it's a good idea. Now, granted, the box cereal, you could tear up the box and throw it in your compost pile or in your worm bin. The dyes in it kind of gives me a hesitation. I don't mind so much feeding it to the worm bin because I can do it in small doses and they can handle some of that stuff. But in general, uh, I'm not a big fan. Okay. Number four, compost. Before we started composting in, ur in urgent, uh, uh, earnest, sorry. Before we started composting in earnest, it, it astounded me the amount of food that we threw away. And it wasn't just you know, food that had gone bad. It was onion peels and banana peels and orange peels and apple cores and, you know, tomato peelings and onion drippings and just all kinds of stuff. And then on top of that, you know, the leftovers that had just been left over one too many times. Well, once we started composting, we actually noticed that our garbage, the amount of garbage that we produced went down significantly. Now, I don't think that was just due to composting. I think that was due to the fact that when we started composting, we started noticing things. 
Now, composting benefits you way more than just reducing the amount of stuff that goes out to the curb once a week or however often you do it. When you compost, you're actually helping improve the quality of your soil. And by improving the quality of your soil, you're able to up your production of whatever you're trying to produce. Okay? Which leads me to number five. Produce some of your own. Our grocery store has gotten to where if you buy tomatoes, they come in this little plastic box. Now, you can still buy the loose ones, but if you do the uh, unit cost, then you notice that a lot of times the ones in this plastic container are less expensive than the ones that you can just buy loose, and that's just insane. I don't know if it's because they're easier to ship or, or what it is. I don't, I don't really know why. But by producing some of your own, you're able to take the, the compost that we just talked about, put it into your soil, improve your soil each and every year, and you're spending less, so you're wasting less, and every time you produce something, you've got more stuff to compost. It's a cycle. It continues to improve upon itself. You're taking all of these nutrients that have been condensed into that fruit and putting it back into your soil. Number six, go cloth. Now, you know, it's, I understand that paper towels are convenient. I really do. But every time that you use a paper towel, especially if you're using it with cleaning chemicals, me, personally, I don't want to throw that paper towel into my recycle bin. I could, but if I'm using glass cleaner or whatever, I, I just I don't want to do that. By going cloth, by using cloth napkins and cloth cleaning towels and cloth shop rags, then we're able to greatly reduce the amount of stuff that we throw away because as soon as it gets dirty you just throw it in the laundry you wash it you clean it and you use it again and again and again and again and again until it's just you know it's gone now i do want to talk here all right let's talk about a pair of jeans a pair of jeans once they start getting holes in the knees or in the pockets or whatever you know you can mend them you can put patches on them you can extend the life now, my wife hates it when I put patches on a pair of jeans. She hates it. She doesn't, she doesn't allow me to go out in public with it. And I understand why. It makes us look like we're paupers. And we're really not. We're, we're doing okay. We're not anywhere near what people would consider rich. You know, we're honestly kind of lower middle, middle class. We're not upper middle class by any means, but... You know, we, we both work and we pay our bills and everything like that. So she doesn't like that persona. So when a pair of jeans wears out, you know, you've got all this fabric. Don't throw it away. Cut it up into strips. Use it for shop towels. Use it for cleaning towels. Use it for napkins. I've actually seen napkins made out of old denim and it's pretty neat. Okay. Also, um, I've seen quilts made out of old denims so you're able to take something that has m met its life expectancy give it new life and use it for much longer and save money in the process and then you go out and you buy you a new pair of jeans or you go to the thrift store if you're lucky enough to find a pair of jeans in your size and you're good to go now 
I do want to talk about something right here. Once the fabric has gone to the point where it's just not usable anymore, okay, it's been a t-shirt or a pair of jeans or whatever, and then it uh, got transferred over to the cleaning rag bin or or the shop rag bin or whatever, and it goes in stages, you know. Um, I have used old t-shirts as washcloths, and they do a good job. Um, say you might you might go t-shirt, napkin, cleaning rag, shop rag. Well, once it's gone to that point, eventually it just gets to where it's not usable anymore. Well, what do you do with it then? Do you get to throw it away then? Well, it depends. Um, I'm a big proponent of all natural fibers. I would say, I would say 85% of my clothing are 100% cotton. I don't like the polyester. I don't like the rayon or the acrylic or whatever. I don't have any silk at all, even though that's a natural fiber. Well, once it gets to that point, if it's 100% cotton, it can go in your recycle. It can go in your compost. Now, there are some folks that just don't like re-composting fabrics, and I understand why. There's, you know, there's GMO Roundup Ready cotton and all of this stuff, and you trying to limit all of these chemicals that go into your body already if you're trying to live this lifestyle. But I'm of the opinion that after it's been washed that many times and after it's been just used over and over and over that many times that the potency of anything that was sprayed on that plant before it became fabric, before it became a shop towel, has been diluted to the point where it's okay. And, um, in general, composting things neutralizes a lot of those bad chemicals. Now, you can't use it as a major component, but if it's just a small percentage of your compost, I don't really see anything to worry about. Number seven, recycle. Now, this one's a sore spot in a lot of sections of the country. Where we are, there is no mandatory recycling. But I have been told and I've heard that there are sections of the country that if you don't recycle, they'll actually level a, levy a fine on you. Well, that's stupid. Okay. I believe that if you enable people to profit from their behaviors, they will automatically gravitate towards those behaviors on their own. Even though some people won't, the ones that will will actually try to take advantage of the folks that don't. Not in a bad way either. In our area, you know, I save my aluminum cans when I have them and everything like that. When I'm going to make salves, uh, we've got a friend that will actually save baby food jars. Um, we save like pasta jars. Every uh, every mason jar or canning jar that we have, it never gets thrown away unless it's broken, ever. Now, there's a guy at work that he actually takes it to the nth degree, I would say, in that every night he goes around to all the different garbage cans looking for aluminum cans. And he takes every piece of metal that he can find, and he takes it home. And a couple of times a year, he takes all this stuff to the recycle center, and he gets a pretty good check. He takes cardboard and everything else. Now, the last time I checked, cardboard was right at a nickel a pound. 
But think about it. If you just took whatever you produced and you took it off once a year, even if it's just, you know, 50 to $100, that's 50 to $100 you didn't have. Now, you know, I realize that some of you are going, yeah, that's just not worth my time. But think about it. It's money for nothing except for a trip to the recycle center. And you're being a good steward of everything that's around you. Number eight, repurpose or upcycle. Now, I've kind of talked about that as far as, you know, jeans and T-shirts, turning them into cleaning towels, shop towels, and napkins. But it goes much farther than that. And there are artsy people out there, people that are much more artsy than I am, that can turn just general garbage into some pretty amazing things. Um, I'm not one of those folks, though. But every time that you get something, you go, okay, how can I use this? Old jars and things like that I've used to sort nails. You know, I've talked about in this podcast, I've talked about how we're tearing down an old building and going to rebuild a building. Okay, so I'm reusing the lumber. I'm repurposing the lumber. My wife calls me a hoarder because I actually save the nails. I mean, come on. In the pioneer days, if a, per- a person would go so far, they'd stop, they'd build a house, they'd find them a job or farm or figure out a way to earn some more money. They'd build them a little shack to live in while they were scraping up some more money. If they couldn't sell the house to somebody else, they'd actually burn the house down and then go through the ashes and collect the nails because the nails were worth so much. Now, it's not like that today, but a a penny saved is a tax-free penny earned. And everything that you do can help you. It really can. Number nine, learn to live with less. Now, this one's is a kind of a battle cry for some and a sore spot for others. But let's just be honest. We as people don't need near as much stuff as we think we do. You know, I cannot tell you the number of people I know that have closets full of clothing and that they will still yet decry that they have nothing to wear. They have all kinds of electronic gadgets and all of the stuff that they never touch. They just... You know, we've we've kind of we've devolved into a stuff world. Stuff will make us happy. You know, the kid on Christmas Day is a prime example, especially, you know, five years old and younger. They're all starry eyed and everything and they get the new toy. And within a day or two, and sometimes actually on Christmas Day, the new ta- the new toy is laying in the floor and they're playing with the box. A lot of times we can learn stuff from children if we'll just pay attention. Number 10, learn, learn to look for efficiency and effectiveness. Okay, now this one's a little tricky. Because first I need to talk about the difference between efficiency and effectiveness. Efficiency is getting something done as quickly as possible, as cheap as possible. That's all it is. Okay, it doesn't really matter who it hurts. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a lot of scrap. As long as it's cheaper and faster, that's efficient. Effective is different. Now, I first learned about this ideal 
from a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. If you haven't read the book, I suggest you do so. Um, it was required reading for me in college. And he talks about how being effective is doing the best job possible with the least amount of impact. Focus is not on speed. It's on impact. Now, um, the, the example that he gave, and it's actually the best example available, is a conversation. You cannot be effective with people. Uh, efficient with people. You have to be effective. If you try to get something done as quickly as possible with people, it normally winds up taking longer. If you take your time and you explain and you listen to them, you listen to their concerns and everything, then you're, you will actually progress faster by going slower. I know that sounds counterproductive, but it's, it's actually the case. And this is really applicable in anything in life. It's very applicable in gardening. Plowing the field is efficient. It's not very effective. Because every time you plow the fields, you're killing your soil. Every time you use a commercial fertilizer, you're killing your soil. So it loses its sustainability in the future. Well, the same thing can be said for our garbage. You know, um, learning how to cook from scratch will reduce automatically the amount of packaging that we have. Does it take longer? Yeah, it does. Do we do it every single day? No, we don't. We just don't have time because of our, our work schedules. But whenever possible, we do because it makes an impact. And I, everything that you do can make an impact. Okay? So, when you're looking at your life, if you just came to the realization of how much money how much time and effort we throw away. You know, it's kind of depressing. It's actually really depressing. And we've got to get to the point to where we no longer have this consumer-driven mentality. We need to have a mentality of stewardship. That's really the big point. Whenever possible, Repair, whenever possible, by used. If something's got a heck of a lot of packaging, ask yourself why and is it really needed and can you find an alternative that doesn't have as much packaging. Learn to compost. We're going to have a full episode soon on composting because there's so much to it. Produce your own. Produce your own. Now, that you're going to think that that's primary, primarily food. But it's not. Um, you know, it's construction. It's all of that. It, it links back to an episode just a couple of episodes ago about skill development. Learn to do stuff for yourself. That way you don't have to deal with others. Go to cloth. Utilize the worn out clothes as napkins, cleaning towels, shop towels. Use them till they're gone. I'm serious. It'll save you. Recycle. Now, 
you know, we kind of hit that. But if you're in an area where you have required recycling, but you don't have to pay for garbage pickup, that's kind of a trade-off. If you're in an area that requires recycling, but you still have to pay for it, see if there's a recycle center close. See if you can't make something off of it rather than let the powers that be take your stuff and profit from you. Repurpose or upcycle. Like I said, if you're artsy, you can do a heck of a lot of it. Even if you're not, you know, you can learn something. I mean, come on, you can do it. Consider living with less. Just look at things that you can cut out. Kind of cut the fluff. A lot of times cutting the fluff will make your life less stressful. And then look for efficiency and effectiveness. I want you to understand that everything that you do, everything that we do, has a direct impact on our lives. Even an activity or something that we do that, that seems insignificant, it applies it really does. And we can we can do it. We can be better stewards. And it's not due to anything environmental or you know anything like that. I just think it's a better way to live. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing or giving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast directory you found us on. Um I'd really appreciate it. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, G+, Instagram. Just search for Rural Economist, and you'll find us. Okay? All right. Well, I hope you have a good day. I look forward to talking to you again. Step by step, we're bringing rural back. Bye-bye.